Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Learn more about topics you're interested in at weightandwellness.com. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Shelby Hummel, a licensed nutritionist with a master's degree in applied clinical nutrition. And I'm so thrilled this morning to be co-hosting today's show. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company providing life-changing nutrition education and life-changing nutrition counseling. And good morning to our listeners. I'm Kara Carper, a licensed nutritionist and also co-hosting today's Dishing Up Nutrition show. So we have a topic that I'm sure is going to grab your attention. I'm really excited to be on with Shelby talking about tips for a better memory. Yes, and most of us at some point in our life have had, oh, a senior moment or forgotten a name, those memory lapses. Shelby, I remember... I have a six-year-old daughter, and I do remember very clearly the days of being up with my daughter during the night when she was a newborn. (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) You know, during the day after not sleeping, things would happen like I couldn't remember simple common names of objects. You know, um, baby wipes. You're Mm -hmm. like, what is that thing? What's that thing that wipes the (laughs) bottom? bring me those? So frustrating. (laughs) So I was sleep deprived and really what was going on is my brain just wasn't working very well. And I bet there are listeners out there today who have also experienced the same memory problems that I had being a new mom with a fussy baby or even just having a baby. I mean, you just don't get quite that quality sleep that you want. Yeah. Or perhaps many of you listeners can relate to forgetting where you parked your car or where you put your key. I just put my key somewhere. Those car keys. Or what about (laughs) those sunglasses that are on top of your head? Or what about that cell phone that you're that's in your hand? Or in, yeah, right in your hand. I had um, a friend of mine who was saying that she always takes a picture of where she parks her car because then if she does forget, she can just look at her phone. (laughs) It's like that is such a great idea. We just hope she doesn't (laughs) misplace her phone. But (laughs) several of my clients have shared this experience. Here's another situation that can occur is if they lost a great deal of blood, um, you know, whether that be from a heavy menstrual cycle, it could be from surgery, surgery, from an accident, unfortunately, Uh but the hemoglobin drops down, and if it drops down under seven or eight, people really start having severe memory problems. Yeah. You know, our hemoglobin, which is a measurement of iron in the, you know, that hemoglobin count should be between 12 and 15. So hearing that it's eight or lower, the brain, what's happening is it's just not getting sufficient oxygen or nutrients to function well. Yeah, and that could be scary, right? The brain isn't getting sufficient oxygen or nutrients to function well. Mm-hmm. So when we can't recall a word, you know, that could be very frustrate, frustrating for people, could be scary. But really, when we think about it, Kara, there are a number of reasons people have memory problems. We know that 5.5 million Americans have Alzheimer's disease today. So th- If we think about that statistic, that breaks down to 1 in 10 Americans 
age 65 mm-hmm. or older who have Alzheimer's. But the frightening fact is that that number is projected to grow to mm-hmm. over 13.8 million Americans over the age of 65 by 2050. So more than doubling in the next 30 years or so. So I think we all need to be concerned about our memory. Yeah, the prevalence of dementia and Alzheimer's is Mm -hmm. just outstanding. And I get so many clients, yeah, that come in and they say, unbelievable. I'm focusing on my food because I know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. My mom or my aunt or, you know, someone in their family has Alzheimer's and they know that that's their motivator. And with the genetic link, it's Uh really important to be looking at that. Like you said, for everyone, this is an issue for everyone to be concerned with. Your brain is one of the most complicated machines. So if you're feeding your brain junk food, you will no doubt have a junk food filled brain. And so that's how it's going to operate. It's just like putting, you know, the wrong fuel in your vehicle. I mean, we need to be fueling our brains just like we would fuel a car properly. I love that. Yeah. If you're struggling with your memory, what can you do to have a better memory? So some questions to ask yourself may be, you know, what are you, what am I willing to do to have a better memory? What mm-hmm. am I willing to do to protect my brain? Because we know that dementia and Alzheimer's don't happen overnight. Yeah. So absolutely. having an Alzheimer's prevention plan, you know, teenagers should be thinking about this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I want to take that back a little bit, Cara. You know, I want you to be thinking about kids, right? Maybe you sign up your son or your daughter for lacrosse or football or even soccer. And, you know, you you spend a couple hundred dollars on special equipment, maybe that special helmet. So have you asked yourself, gosh, have I looked into more of those football or sport related brain injuries or the damage that can occur from a concussion, Mm -hmm. things like that? Football-related brain damage, it's really been a hot topic in the news because there's a concern that many NFL players, um, you know, are having concussions and head trauma Mm -hmm. during the games. And how does this relate to their future, you know, if they're going to have brain dysfunction? Yep. And actually, it's funny you say that because not only is it a hot topic in the news, but even Hollywood. I don't know... Kara, if you saw the movie Concussion a few years back starring Will Smith, mm-hmm. I mean, bringing to light some of those um, damages to the brain exactly. from football. Yeah. And in the research reported this past year, um, they were talking about degenerative brain disease. It was actually diagnosed in 99% of 111 deceased NFL players. So 99% of those NFL players, they had you know, donated their brain for research after they Mm -hmm. passed. And they found that degenerative brain disease is very serious. So if we're looking at that, 99% of those 111 deceased players, that's actually only one of them was not diagnosed Mm -hmm. with degenerative brain disease postmortem. So that's pretty big. That really is. That's So if you think about the 10 and 12-year-old kids that are going out for football... I mean, what research has found is that repeated blows to the head at that young of an age, because we have to remember that, you know, we a 10 and a 12 year old can Mm -hmm. look, you know, 
those kids are tall these days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they look like a, they almost look like adults. But we have to remember that the brain is growing actually well into the teen years and even, and into, the I, even into the early 20s. Yeah. That brain is still growing. So having repeated blows to the head at a young age can severely affect the development of the brain mm-hmm. and could lead to neurological problems later in life. Yeah. So, Cara, maybe we should sum up our our discussion here. Maybe we give listeners a, a tip, you know, tip number one for a better memory is protecting your brain from physical trauma. Mm-hmm. I think that would be important. So, you know, soccer balls were never intended to be bounced off your child's head. You know, choosing sports that, you know, or choosing sports equipment that's going to keep you safe. You know, right. I actually, um, growing up, our family, we would go skiing out in Colorado and Lake Tahoe. And, you know, as kids, we always had to wear helmets on the trails. Um, but just a few years back, Cara, my mom and aunt were skiing and my mom took a fall and ended up hitting the back of her head mm. and, you know, wasn't able to ski the rest of the trip and thought she had a concussion, a lot of headaches. And no surprise, right after that, both my aunt and my mom ended up buying helmets for themselves. Sure. You know, so starting to see about you know, how can we protect our brain from physical trauma? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking of something else because it's really nice out and people are riding their bikes. It amazes me the number of families who are out riding their bikes mm-hmm. and the kids all have their helmets on. Even the kids in the Burleys have their cute little shark helmets on or princess helmets. But the parents are riding their bike without a helmet. So mm-hmm. what message are we sending requiring our kids to wear helmets, but right. you know, not practicing that ourselves? It's really important, I think, to either be looking at, you know, lower risk sports or like you said, if some if the parents and the children are choosing a, a sport that is a little bit higher risk or mm-hmm. a physical activity that poses a risk, like yeah. I mean biking. Yeah. Just to protect the brain. We yeah. need helmets. Yeah. So looks like it's time for our first break, Shelby. Okay. Well, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. If you're struggling with your memory, Cara and I would recommend that you change your food to change your memory. You know, we also talk about what we would recommend for clients. So when we talk about supplements, I would recommend one omega-3 DHA soft gel with each meal. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. I would also recommend one scoop of brain vibrance each day. I would recommend that before breakfast. So mixing that into a little bit of water um, before breakfast. And then three of the magnesium glycinate tablets at bedtime. You know, and I honestly believe if you if you change your food and you consider those supplements, you will feel the difference. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. For the past 12 years, we've been talking about food and nutrition every Saturday morning. That's about 600 radio shows where we've shared the importance of eating good food for good health. Isn't it amazing that we haven't run out of topics? <laughs> I mean, I do. We do repeat topics, yeah. but there's always a different spin. There's always new research. And people always have questions about what to eat and yeah, how to make it That question easy. never goes away. Yeah. So <laughs> food and nutrition affect every cell in the body and every cell in the brain. So that's really an awe-inspiring fact. And I think that's why people keep tuning in because... What we put in our mouths affects our bodies, affects our brains, affects our entire lives. Yeah. 
So if you have questions today, please give us a call in the studio. The number is 651-641-1071. Yeah, and Cara, before we went to our first break, um, we shared with listeners our first tip for a better memory, and that was Mm -hmm. protecting your brain from physical trauma. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more to good brain health. And so a good memory begins with learning to respect your brain, whether that's, Mm -hmm. you know, protecting your brain physically, or maybe that means respecting and protecting your brain with getting sufficient sleep each night. Uh Let's, we're going to talk about this for a little while. What does sufficient sleep mean? Well, sufficient sleep means getting at least seven and a half hours of sleep most nights. And it may surprise you that people who sleep 10 or more hours per night live the longest (laughs) so the old adage of get eight hours of sleep a night that's a great place to start you know i know getting 10 hours of sleep a night might not sound very practical or realistic for most people but we can strive for eight yes and to be honest there's no way i could survive on seven and a half i need eight and a half or nine or i am crabby Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i'm guessing you make that a priority i do yeah So think about that, listeners. What happens if you are only getting five or maybe six hours of sleep a night? You are most likely going to develop a bad lifestyle habit to make up for that lack of sleep. You know, and one of the first things I hear clients say to me, Cara, is, you know, they drink coffee, you know, Mm -hmm. but first coffee. And that's kind of a sign to me that they're not getting enough sleep because, you know, if you're Lacking sleep, you may drink more caffeine to stay awake, or maybe you eat more chocolate to stay alert. Or for some people, that just means that they eat more food throughout the day. Mm -hmm. For some people, that may mean that they have more nervous habits. You know, maybe they smoke more or they drink more alcohol. All of these are bad lifestyle habits that are damaging to your brain Mm -hmm. and, of course, harmful to your memory. It's so interesting to think about it that way Mm -hmm. that lack of sleep causes us to crave these things that are unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe like a cup of coffee here and there is going to be Mm -hmm. fine or a glass of wine here and there. But if people are regularly not sleeping, they may have a caffeine habit Mm -hmm. where they're drinking coffee just to stay awake throughout the day. Or like you said, more cigarette smoking. So lack of sleep can put people at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. Huh. As a matter of fact, in a sleep study that we've mentioned before on Dishing Up Nutrition, researchers found healthy young men that got only five and a half hours of sleep per night had insulin resistance. I think of insulin resistance as prediabetes. They had higher blood sugar numbers. This was after only two weeks. So both insulin resistance and high blood sugar numbers They're precursors of prediabetes, which we know Mm -hmm. could eventually lead to type 2 diabetes. So so after only two weeks, all of those um, blood numbers changed. Yeah, for those healthy young men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cara, when I think about insulin resistance, I think about people who say that they're hungry all day long. You know, that's one that's right. One, you know, clinical component to that is people say, gosh, you know, I could eat and eat and eat, but I'm still hungry all day long. So listeners, you may be wondering why having diabetes is bad for your brain and bad for your memory. So 
Diabetes increases the risk of damage to blood vessels, including those small blood vessels in the brain. So when that damage occurs, people often experience changes in their thinking and in their memory. So when you think about those changes or that damage, that is often called vascular dementia. So a serious memory problem, and it could be related to sleep deficiency. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons that people are not getting enough sleep. Some people are not sleeping because they have sleep apnea, which causes people to wake up frequently throughout Mm -hmm. the night because they actually are. They stop breathing for short periods of time. Research has found that people with untreated sleep apnea may be more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. Wow. So the good news is, is that treating sleep apnea has been found to improve memory and thinking skills. And I can't tell you how many clients I have who say they do a sleep study yeah. and they find out they have sleep apnea. Yeah. And that's why they, you know, that can lead to health problems, obviously being tired during the day, yep. wanting more food, wanting more caffeine. Mm-hmm. And really getting um, properly diagnosed and treated is so important, yeah. even though I hear this, that the machines are not... Maybe the most comfortable. Easy. Yeah. yeah, But I think investing time and money in getting the right one. Yeah. And I will say, you know, for some people, just having a sleep study can seem, you know, maybe overwhelming or inconvenient. But it's amazing that people who really do struggle with sleep apnea get such a benefit, such a reward from actually going into their doctor and saying, you know, I'm really struggling with my memory or my energy. Would it be worth looking at a sleep study? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we've established that lack of sleep is simply bad for your brain. So if you're still struggling with sleep, you know, why is it that you're still only getting five or six hours of sleep a night? You know, is it because that you have a hard time sleeping or is it because you have poor sleep hygiene? You know, maybe those poor sleep habits like, you know, you're texting or you're scrolling through Facebook mindlessly or maybe you're, you know, working into the night answering emails before you go to bed. You know, so thinking about those nighttime habits, breaking those habits can often be difficult. Bringing awareness to that may need some extra support. You know, so you might need to work with a therapist or even a nutritionist like Kara or myself to break that chain of addiction. You know, it's challenging. You know, it's never easy to break an addictive habit or that chain of addiction. But I'd say it's worth it, right? If you're preventing or protecting your memory, preventing diabetes, and quite honestly, reducing anxiety. Mm-hmm. Getting a good night's sleep can really help with improving moods as well as memory. Yeah. We know that. Yep. And just to your point of working with someone to break these old patterns. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of a therapist is a great idea, but also as nutritionists, you and I work with people to put together healthy food plans and healthy lifestyle plans. I would say at least a third of my clients, we talk about sleep and how are they going to get to bed earlier? And we put together a plan. Yeah. So we, well, can, and, we can help with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Cara, I definitely want to pick your brain when we get back from break, because I know you are our resident sleep expert, <laughs> if I can call you that. Um, yeah. But listeners, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Um, you're listening to 
Kara and myself. I'm Shelby Hummel, a licensed nutritionist. And like I said, I'm in studio with Kara Carper, also a licensed nutritionist. This morning, we are sharing tips to have a better memory. So if you're wondering what Kara and I look like or any of our fabulous <laughs> other hosts, go to our website, weightandwellness.com. If you click on the Meet Us icon, it's actually just left, or excuse me, just right of the berries at the top of the homepage. And you can look under that page called Meet Our Nutritionist. And there we are. There we Most are. of us are have a big <laughs> smile on our face and are very excited to share our message. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you have a question for us today, please give us a call in the studio. The number is 651-641-1071. We're happy to answer your questions today. We were talking about the importance of sleep for your brain and for a better memory. That's what today's topic is all about. I recently read an excerpt from the book. It's called A Mind of Your Own. It's by Dr. Kelly Brogan. And in her book, she says, sufficient sleep keeps you sharp, creative, and able to process information in an instant. Then she went on to say, studies have convincingly proven that sleep habits ultimately lord over everything about you, how hungry you feel, how much you eat, how efficiently you metabolize your food, how strong your immune system is, how insightful you can be, even how well you cope with stress, and of course, lastly, how well you remember things. <laughs> so that about covers it. That is a pretty important <laughs> list of reasons um, to get good sleep. <laughs> we hear this, don't we, all the time, get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we forget what, you know, the downside of missing sleep is. Yeah. I, I joked with a corporate class yesterday morning. I was, of course, presenting on sleep and, um, you know, kind of that, that joke, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I said, well, yeah, you're likely to get there sooner if you're not sleeping. So, um, Cara, before we went to break, I know we started to talk a little bit about um, some research about sleep and why sleep is so important. But I know that you have a lot of personal experience, but also, you know, a lot of clients that you're helping get a better mm-hmm. night's sleep. Could you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about that? Of course. Yeah. I mean, some of my clients lack sleep because maybe they're not able to fall asleep. So this would be a situation where they're tossing and turning for it could be hours before they fall asleep. And, you know, that's when people start checking the clock Thinking about, oh my gosh, it's midnight, I have to get up at six, (laughs) and the anxiety sets in. Then you see the clock, it ticks to two o'clock in the morning, and they finally fall asleep. They're so exhausted, the alarm goes off at maybe 6 a.m. And, you know, personally, I have lived with that issue. Yeah. And so some solutions that I recommend for falling asleep more easily and more quickly, I always start out with magnesium. Yep. And the reason is I think 3 out of 4 Americans are deficient in magnesium. Yes. It's yep. a mineral that is just sort of difficult to get from food and mm-hmm. our bodies use it up very quickly. Yeah. Even from stress and exercise, we're going to lose yeah. magnesium. So mm-hmm. I I start with 400 milligrams, mm-hmm. but I will have people go up to 800 milligrams yeah. of magnesium glycinate. You know, often that's all that people need Mm -hmm. to fall asleep more quickly. Sometimes I will suggest that they add 
melatonin. Mm-hmm. The kind that works the most, the fastest is mm-hmm. the sublingual. Sublingual. It's yeah. just the kind that you put under your tongue and Melts it dissolves. under your tongue. Yeah. It goes yep. right into the bloodstream. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be digested. Mm-hmm. And so anywhere from really one to five milligrams, you just put under your tongue. And that actually works really well to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, those are just two tips. If you have more serious sleep issues, or you've tried those things and they're not working, make an appointment. You can just call our office and yeah. 651-699-3438. You can go to our website, weightandwellness.com and check us out because we do work with people with sleep issues all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thankfully, I have not had trouble sleeping as long as I prioritize and allow myself enough time to sleep. But Cara, I know that, you know, for me, for my brain health, but also for good moods and getting that deep sleep, I do take magnesium glycinate before I go to bed. And I always have a little bit of a bedtime snack too. So, you know, listeners, if you're thinking, you know, maybe this is a new thing, maybe you're just transitioning through menopause or, you know, maybe you have aches and pains, would you be willing to try having a bedtime snack? I mean, we're going to give you some ideas later in the show, but having a bedtime snack 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed and then trying that magnesium glycinate. That's Mm -hmm. kind of that first step with additional sleep support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oftentimes people will say they have trouble falling asleep, but then we also have a large group of of clients that say that they can't stay asleep. You're waking up at three or three 30 or even four in the morning and they can't get back to sleep. And what do they always say to us, Cara? Their brain is going. They're making oh, yeah. lists for the next brain day. Brain chatter is what we call uh-huh. that. Yeah. I actually, I had a new client a couple of weeks ago. She said it's uh, her hamster wheel. Her hamster wheel's running and she <laughs> named her hamster. I can't, Patrick, I think was her hamster's name that was running on this yep. hamster wheel. I mean, talk about people who are struggling with sleep. So, you know, I always start by recommending that bedtime snack because if you're waking up, throughout the night, maybe 3 o'clock or 3.30, that's likely that you're having a low blood sugar attack. Yes. You know, your blood sugar is crashing. So some of my my favorite snack ideas for clients is to do, you know, a half of a banana and, you know, a couple tablespoons of peanut butter you know, or maybe do half of a cup of cantaloupe with 16 almonds. Actually, one of my favorites, Cara, if you don't mind me sharing, is to do do more tips. Yeah, a half a cup of blueberries. And for most people, they could do two tablespoons of heavy cream, right? So some of that fruit and healthy fat. But I know we have a lot of listeners who are dairy-free. So one new thing that I've been making is coconut whipped cream. Mm -hmm. Have you had it before? No, I sometimes I purchase the full fat canned coconut cream uh-huh. on its own and it's yeah. so thick. Yeah. But I haven't actually made the coconut whipping cream. Yeah, so I I actually started buying the smaller cans. I think they're like 6 ounces or something like that, but it is that really concentrated coconut 
cream. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be thicker than the coconut uh-huh. milk. Yep, it's going to be thicker than the than the larger cans. But that small can, I just stash a few in the back of my fridge. And then I open that up after it's been in the fridge for maybe a day or even a week. Mm-hmm. And I'll pull that out and I'll use my little immersion blender, my stick blender, and just whip that up with a little bit of maple syrup. Sometimes I sprinkle in some cinnamon or even a little bit of vanilla extract. And That sounds delicious. It sounds really, really easy, too, especially with that immersion blender. It's so easy. And, you know, just keeping a few of those in my fridge is like a dairy-free treat to mm-hmm. put with fresh or frozen berries. And it. I look forward to having my bedtime snack. Right. <laughs> it's a great way to avoid a big bowl of ice cream that uh, could potentially... Yes. You know, that's not the kind of bedtime snack we're talking about. That's That's, definitely going to wake you up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Because then we have the sugar high and then we have even more of a sugar crash at three in the morning. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So So all of those ideas that we just shared will help you balance your blood sugar so you can have restful sleep. You sleep through the night Mm -hmm. and then magically your, your brain and your memory is working better when you wake up the next morning. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about the bedtime snack. And yeah. if listeners want to know, understand more about why that works, it's because healthy fats, like all the fats in the snacks you just suggested, mm-hmm. the, whether it's peanut butter, um, heavy whipping cream, or the coconut cream, yep. or some almonds. Av- yep. Avocado is another great example. The yeah. healthy fats stabilize our blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's less likely to do that whole spiking and crashing thing. The roller coaster? At three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's that crash that sends sort of adrenaline through our body. It's a mm-hmm. very stressful situation to have low blood sugar. Yeah. And that wakes us up. Yeah. So the bedtime snack will prevent that. Yep. Occasionally, It's necessary to add some other key supplements. So just to recap, you know, we start with 400 to 800 milligrams of magnesium glycinate. Mm -hmm. I will often add three capsules of our activated calcium, which is a a formula Mm -hmm. of just a couple different kinds of very absorbable calcium. And then sometimes I might even add two capsules of a product called NeuroCalm. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really great overall sleep formula. You know, I yeah. think it has about eight, at least eight different ingredients. Yeah. So that's NeuroCalm. NeuroCalm. Okay. And it's very relaxing. Yep. And not everybody needs all of this, but you just kind of take one thing at a time. And mm-hmm. I can I can tell you firsthand that it's worth figuring out what is creating your sleep issue. Yeah. And yep. so... We can talk more about that um, a little bit when we come back from our third break. Yeah, and I know you've got some other tools in your tool belt I for, do. for sleep, but um, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Be sure to tune in next Saturday. Kate and Brenna will be talking about how food and nutrition can help you during a life crisis. You know, so you may be, you know, gearing up for a wedding, a birth of a new baby, or even an unexpected death. We want to remind you that food matters. So tune in next week. We'll be right back. I'm a dude, a guy. I've got hair everywhere. I don't diet or nibble. And I never say things like, can I get the vinaigrette on the side? My buddies would punch me right in my very large gut, which is unsightly but doesn't bother me as much as my high cholesterol. So what does a man like me do in a case like this? I say, fine, when my wife makes an appointment with a nutritionist even though I'm sure they're going to make me eat like a ballerina. 
But to my surprise, my counselor at Nutritional Weight and Wellness has me eating more like a caveman. Meat, vegetables, butter. Ha! Oh, I can honk down anything with butter. Like a giant pile of broccoli with my grass-fed steak or sautéed spinach with baked chicken. Skin on. Real cream in my coffee and real shock on my doc's face when he sees my cholesterol is back to normal. I'm so happy I could do a pirouette. But I won't. Learn the truth about food at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Book a nutrition counseling appointment today. Call 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are very pleased to offer our Weight and Wellness series, which is starting the week of September 18th. So in just six weeks, you can learn the whys and the hows of balanced eating and, of course, the benefits of balanced eating. So come and learn why people have been raving about this series for over 10 years. And also on the weekend of October 6th, we're offering the Weight and Wellness Weekend Seminar. So you get to get the information from all six Weight and Wellness classes in just one weekend. So it's great for people that don't have the ability to come back six weeks in a row. And we do offer continuing ed credits for nurses as well. Nurses can earn 14.4 credits and learn how to eat to support your own health as well as your patients. Yeah. In November, we're offering our very popular Menopause Survival Seminar. And we also have a brand new Nutrition for ADHD Saturday Seminar. So if you want more details about any of these wonderful things that are coming up, call our office, 651-699-3438. And the front desk staff is really happy to answer any questions you might have on any of those classes. Yeah, so Cara, before we went to break, you were giving us some insight into some other ideas, other supplements to help people who are perhaps not getting that sufficient sleep, seven and a half to eight, even nine Mm -hmm. hours of sleep. So I know you had one other um, idea that you have used and worked really well. Yeah, so, you know, magnesium glycinate. Oh, just really quickly, Shelby, we had a caller that did not stay on air. Oh, she or he or she wanted to know the difference between different forms of magnesium. Okay. Mm -hmm. We specifically recommend magnesium glycinate, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to sleep. It's very absorbable Mm -hmm. and it works best for sleep. There are other forms of magnesium on the market and the caller asked about oxide. Oxide is maybe a little more readily available, a little cheaper. Mm -hmm. It's not absorbable. So it kind of runs right through you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good point. That could really (laughs) cause some loose stool and some digestive issues. Mm -hmm. So you want to really avoid magnesium oxide, and it's worth it to get the magnesium glycinate. Yeah. Yep. But aside from that, you know, some calcium, maybe some neural calm. Um, One of my favorite amino acids for sleep, though, is GABA. G-A-B-A. GABA. Okay. Do you know how they refer to GABA? As nature's Valium. Yep. Doesn't that sound amazing? (laughs) (laughs) I've been using it for about 10 years. Uh You know, Shelby, I've... Most people know by now that I've had chronic kind of insomnia. Uh I mean, I have it... I have it managed now where I sleep probably six out of seven nights. I sleep well. Mm -hmm. But I really have to take my GABA, my magnesium, have my bedtime snack. So... 
I can help you figure that out if people are struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're listening to our podcast and live maybe in New Zealand or New York or even New Hope, you know, we can do an appointment via phone or Skype. I know, Cara, you have lots of clients um, that you work with over the phone or via Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're here to help you protect your brain and improve your memory. And, you know, if you're listening to us as a podcast, I also just want to remind you or any of our listeners, if you were listening this morning and had a question about something that we said or um, the name of a book or a supplement, we actually are transcribing all of the um, current shows, current uh, podcasts. So you can actually um, go to our website, weightandwellness.com. And I believe it's Monday morning when the podcast from the previous Saturday is posted and the show notes. So if there's anyone out there that had a specific question um, that you didn't get answered, you can always go to the show notes Mm -hmm. and look for that. So I guess, you know, our theme today is, you know, three tips for a better memory. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of summarize what we've talked about probably for the last 15 or so minutes is uh, the second tip for a better memory is just getting at least seven and a half hours of sleep per night. Research tells us that ultimately eight to nine hours is optimal. Mm -hmm. And just a reminder that being sleep deprived can cause slow reaction time. Mm -hmm. It can impair judgment it can impair vision, mm-hmm. impair information processing. Shelby, it can even increase aggressive behavior, such wow. as like aggressive driving, uh-huh. um, just to name a few things. So not sleeping enough is really bad for the brain and bad for the memory. And that's why we spent so much time on it this yeah. morning. So, yeah. yeah. So, Cara, we often hear you are what you eat. So I just want to put that in a in another um, way for people, you know, think about your brain being made up of what you are eating. So listeners, are you eating to enhance your brain's performance? Are you eating for a good memory? Or are you living on pizza and beer or cookies and mocha? We know that food actually fuels cell growth and um, cell regeneration. So when our brain cells can regenerate with good nutrition, That helps us have better brain function and better memory. So think about that. What you eat on a daily basis directly affects the health of your brain. That's pretty important for people to to hear. What you eat on a daily basis directly affects the health of your brain. So do you want a high-performing brain or a brain that's constantly breaking down on you? As we said earlier, I know you said this, Cara, a junk food diet Mm -hmm. will result in a junk food-filled diet. Brain, right? Junk food diet, right, right. junk food brain, which is definitely not good for your brain and not going to help you in the memory department either. If people are wanting examples, here's an example of a breakfast that is bad for the brain and bad for the memory. Now, if you're in the habit of eating something like a large blueberry muffin, now keep in mind that a large blueberry muffin contains 19 teaspoons of sugar. If you have a small latte with that, a mocha latte, mm-hmm. that would contain 17 teaspoons of sugar. Wow. If I can't say for sure that my my math is working correctly this morning, but that's 36 <laughs> teaspoons. I think yes. I am right, actually. Yep, I had a good breakfast. Right. Good for you. <laughs> but, Cara, that's almost a cup of sugar. You know, one cup of sugar is actually 48 mm. teaspoons, but 36 teaspoons from that large blueberry muffin and a small mocha... 
I mean, how many people actually truly get a small? A small, I was just thinking yeah. about that. It's probably a medium <laughs> or a large. Yeah, but... so that's a lot of sugar affecting your brain. So how is that person going to feel an hour after eating that? You know, potentially feel spacey, kind of mm-hmm. like that brain fog feeling. Maybe having problems with word recall. And here's another thing. They most likely are going to be craving sugar because yeah. their blood sugar has spiked and it's already had time to crash. Yeah. And that's when people crave more sugar. So maybe we should give listeners a balanced breakfast idea. You know, maybe you scramble up two or three eggs cooked in butter and have a side of sauteed broccoli with a half a cup of blueberries. And instead of getting, you know, a soda or juice, you drink water. Think about how you yeah. would feel with that breakfast. You know, if I'm not eating eggs that day, I'll, you know, substitute in a chicken sausage or even a pork sausage to to cook with, you know, spinach or broccoli and have some fruit on the side. You know, so when you're eating a balanced breakfast, you have good energy, you have a sharp memory, and you have a great sense of well-being and, you know, you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. So I want to remind listeners that food does matter for maintaining your memory. As a nutritionist, I know our brains need animal protein to make building blocks for all of our neurotransmitters. And that's so that we will have good moods and good memory. So, you know, I'm always personally thinking about what am I going to eat for protein? What am I going to give my daughter for lunch for protein? Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's like cut up chicken or a string cheese or maybe some cold meatballs, because typically like lunch has to be cold. Yep. Um, those are just some examples of things that I would put into her lunchbox or even mm-hmm. del- we talk about a nitrate free deli meat roll up. Yeah. Where you spread some cream cheese on that and oh, roll that's that a up. Good one. Yeah. Now, all of those good forms of animal protein are going to support memory. Yep. And also, I think, Cara, about how much of our brain is made up of fat. You know, 60 to 70% of our brain is made up of fat. So we also need to pair that animal protein with a good quality fat for we ha- so we have good reception. That's right. And, you know, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But on top of, you know, the recommendation for animal protein and healthy fat at every meal and snack, we really want to focus our carbohydrates on vegetable carbohydrates mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus bread, pasta, all of those are going to turn into a lot of sugar and they're not going to support memory. Vegetables are going to support memory. So it sounds like our third tip, Cara, is to eat balanced with animal protein, good vegetables, you know, vegetable carbohydrates and some good healthy fat. So should we quickly recap our three tips for today's yes, show? That sounds great. Yeah. So the first tip was, you know, paying attention to the physical brain and just mm-hmm. protecting that brain, whether that means avoiding high risk sports or wearing a helmet. Yep. And number two, our second tip for your brain and your memory is to get good quality sleep. And seven and a half hours per night is preferred. Of course, eight to nine is optimal. Mm -hmm. And then our third tip is really focusing on clean food. What we mean by that is having healthy, good quality animal protein and fats. Mm -hmm. And vegetable carbohydrates. Yep, absolutely. So our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. 
The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.